Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with Ailey ISD, and uh, once again I want to thank everyone uh, who has chosen to listen to today's episode. As always, I'm, I'm hoping that after listening to our conversation today, I'm hoping that there's a better understanding of the issue we're going to talk about, and then perhaps there's a maybe a call to arms for people to be more involved in, in the conversation today. It, it's almost a lifeblood to, to the school systems, not just A-Leaf, but schools in general. And uh, I once heard that any community, doesn't matter what community you live in, any community that's going to be successful by any definition of success is made up of really three prongs. It's a, it's a stool. It's a three-legged stool. Uh, one of those legs of that stool is, is the parents that are actually making up the community, raising children. Another leg of that is the school system, the actual education system that's being provided in that community. And third, and certainly not least, is the faith-based. It's your churches. Without the other two, one of those legs can't support a community by itself. And so in ALEAF, I am extremely, extremely proud to uh, to be able to state from my position as the superintendent of schools that we have three strong, strong legs in our community, and, and they're getting stronger. We're under no illusion that we have it all figured out, but we we definitely have the folks in place that want to figure it out. From that, I can't ask for any more. We have three guests today, two from our community and, and one that's an employee of the school district whose primary responsibility is engaging our community. And we'll let these individuals introduce themselves. If you would, introduce yourself, and then I'll kind of kick it off, and then we'll get started. So I'm going to start, Paris, if you don't mind, introduce yourself and kind of what your role is. Okay. Uh, I'm Pastor Paris Patrick. I, I pastor Agape Bible Church here in the A-Leaf area. I'm also the founder and executive director for A-Leaf Coalition for the Homeless. I've been in the A-Leaf area as a pastor for 10 years. Uh, I actually am a product of A-Leaf. Started here in Hollow Middle School back in the 80s, all the way up through Hastings High School, graduated in 96, and have just fell in love with A-Leaf ever since and decided to stay and, and make an impact here. What we do in the district is do a lot of mentoring, like you suggested earlier, said earlier, mm-hmm. and involved in some of the schools that are directly close to our proximity where, we, where we're ministering. Perfect. We're going to get into the mentoring and the assistance that a lot of you guys provide. So thank you, Paris, for being here. My name is Dee Jones. I am the business and community coordinator for A-Leaf ISD, and I recruit and train mentors. I recruit business partnerships, the whole gamut of supporting our students. Thank you, Dee. You'll hear the value of Dee as we, as we talk. Hello, I'm Demetria West. I am actually a uh, counselor at Hastings mm-hmm. Ninth Grade Center. I am the liaison for Texas Executive Women Career Women of the Future Mentoring Program. Good, thank you, Demetria. And I really look forward to having that conversation about the executive coaching that you guys provide for our young ladies. Let me set the stage real briefly, and then we're going to get into a conversation. I have been here right around eight and a half years, which is a long, 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 long time in superintendents' lives, <laughs> particularly in large urban districts. <laughs> I have uh, strengthened the bell curve on that. But one of the things I noticed when I got here back in 2011 was the just I hadn't met anyone, but just the presence of churches. You couldn't drive down the street in leaf without seeing multiple churches at every corner. I, I kind of joked. I said, if, if you can't find religion in leaf you're not looking very hard mm-hmm. or you don't want it. But one of the things that, that was a primary goal of mine was to engage the faith based groups, the churches and those organizations that support and, and are kind of funded, or if you will, based upon faith 
of a variety of types, but I wanted to engage them because, as I mentioned earlier, this three-legged stool, you, you can't work. We can't do it. We can, we, we can only do so much as a school system without the other two legs participating. Paris was one of the first ones. Uh, he and several other gentlemen were some of the first representatives, if you will, from our faith-based organizations. And I asked them point blank. I said, are y'all willing to get engaged in the school district? And their response was a quick yes. And their question back to me was, how, how much are you going to let us be engaged and how much can we work together, which was a fair question. So from that conversation eight and a half, nine years ago, uh, have stemmed a lot of products of help and assistance, some really, really big, some very small, and all points in between. That has kind of created to me uh, this culture of partnership between our faith-based groups and those who volunteer in our schools. So I'm going to ask Paris just to maybe start and give the audience, give those who are listening just a, a kind of a glimpse into what, what's kind of occurred, both with you personally and what, mm-hmm. you, what you've done, and things that you've seen that you believe have brought tremendous value to not only our kids, but some of the families, and going back to that three-legged stool to strengthen that leg of the, of the stool. Yeah. Yeah. It, to me, it was the original call to arms. Um, it was the, um, here, you go, here you guys are in the community. Uh, can you come and see what I'm seeing? Let's figure out what we, what we can do together. Uh, to me, that, that was the invitation that a lot of us needed, faith-based organizers and faith-based leaders needed to wake up, I think, and see what was happening in our own streets, in our own community. Uh, one of the things that you said in that first meeting that I'll never forget was that the children that go to our churches go to your schools. Mm-hmm. And so we're touching and helping the same children, and why not work together? I'll never forget that. I think that was probably the first day, the first meeting we had. And um, so a lot of us gathered together. And to me, one of the biggest products out of that or one of the biggest um, profits out of those meetings was the Comet program. Uh, We we came to the conclusion really quickly that uh, after school programming was essential to our kids in A-Leaf, not only for uh, their living uh, situations as far as tenure in the district and tenure in stable living in an apartment complex or wherever they were, but also to continue the school day. And uh, Comet was a was a huge huge by, byproduct of that. It engaged several churches surrounding one apartment community, maybe touching several different schools in that one apartment community, and it still exists now. Uh, one of the things that was a, re- a re- revelation for me was that there were homeless children in our district. You know, I've been in A Leaf since '86. The homeless kids right. in A Leaf. You know, what, when did this, you know, when did that happen? Yeah, uh, but that's something I learned coming in and learning what's going on in the district. And so that was, to me, that was, um, you know, when you you see a spotlight on something, you know, that's for you, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I knew that that was something that I wanted to get involved in out of everything else that we were hearing. Uh, that was something that, that we needed to get involved in. And so we decided to start uh, A Leaf Coalition for the Homeless to get involved in that. Another minister that came recently helped fund the pre-kindergarten with a large monetary donation for that. That came because he was coming. I don't want to say his name. He's not here. But that Mm -hmm. came because he started coming to those things and started learning about what was going on in the district. Uh, It's the call to arms. The call to arms, come learn what we're doing. Come learn what's happening in A-Leaf. There's something that you can do here. Your tax dollars are keeping the schools open anyway. You might as well also put in some sweat equity to help yeah, the environment here. T- t- talk just a little bit about your coalition for the homeless. Mm-hmm. What you discovered, what led you to, and kind of what you've been doing so that the community is aware of one. And I, and I agree with you. A lot, a lot of people have no idea we have homeless kids. Yeah, I mean that's 
for whatever reason. But talk a little bit about that and, and your work in that regard. Yeah. So there's two two arms to that. You know, you, me- you mentioned legs. So there's mm-hmm. two legs, <laughs> two arms to the coalition. One side is to connect a local church to a local school within its two to three mile proximity. Uh, what's something that's interesting is every school in A-Leaf, every single school in A-Leaf has some number of homeless kids that attend that school. Well, if you drew a three-mile circle around that school, there's three to five churches in that circle. Every single school has three to five churches in a three-mile radius. Like I said, we've got plenty, oh, yeah. plenty of churches. Yeah. Well, to someone like me that thinks, you know, how could I, how could I be the most impactful and also the most cost-effective, uh, you see churches, well, that's a volunteer base. And so one of our goals was let's let's make sure that these three to five churches are aware that here's a school and in this school there's homeless kids there. This school needs help providing for some of the needs of those kids, school supplies, school uniforms, after school snacks and programming. Children that are homeless deal with grades, they deal with conduct, they deal with attention span, they need all the support they can get from the community. Uh, the other arm is there is a number of homeless kids, mostly high school age children, that are dealing with unaccompanied homelessness. Uh, they have no no parent, no guardian, and so we have a we actually have been donated a home that we assist uh, some of these kids in living environment. We work really closely with CPS, as you can imagine. (laughs) CPS is on our board, (laughs) if you can imagine. And so we work with them to try to get these these young kids in a very stable situation where they can continue to attend school in A-Leaf. The very first one that we did as an organization, uh, my family ended up adopting. He uh, became my legal son. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was probably four or five years ago now. Um, And... He, we got him through high school, got him into HCC. He's in HCC now. He's in the, the auto mechanic program there at HCC. And he came back also to work part-time in the ministry house as a, as a part-time mentor there. And so uh, it, it's something that he loves doing. He loves it. And the, one of the first things he tells uh, the boys, it's a boy's home. We we're, haven't been able to get a girl's home open yet. But the boys, one of the first things he tells them when he gets there is, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. It's going to be okay. Now, when, when I say that, they can look at me and say, oh, you don't know nothing. Right. But when he says it, yeah. that, there's some weight behind that because he actually does know. And so, um, and, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, he's a 6'4 Caucasian kid that calls me dad. He calls my wife mom. And it's weird because when the boys see that situation, <laughs> they're like, how is this dude your son, you know? <laughs> I'm like, well, we, we adopted him uh, about five years ago. This is my son. Yeah. So in so. case people listening to this doesn't realize, <laughs> Parrish is black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so this is a personal thing for you. Oh, yeah, very I mean, personal. It goes without saying and yeah. how impactful that, that that can be. Yeah. Miss West, you're obviously a counselor, and you kind of that's your craft and your profession, but you've also chosen to attempt to, to work with, with young ladies and some of the— Areas in which perhaps we've seen a shortcoming where they haven't had proper training, and that's the the executive coaching. Right. Talk about that a little bit. From one, what was your motivation, and then two, what does that look like? What is that? Uh, so that people that aren't familiar with it understand what it is. Well, first, I would like to say thank you for allowing the program to even be an A leaf. Absolutely. Um, there's only one high school that participates, and it's such a privilege. Uh, Texas Executive Women Organization is an organization of professional women in Houston. And so they have a mentoring arm. And so they have three high schools in the Houston area, one in Galveston and one in Northwest Houston in Aldine, and then in Aleaf. And so these ladies provide programming 
for our students. And so what my role is, is to be the lead mentor. And from that, I get other co-workers Mm -hmm. to be mentors as well. And so we choose approximately 20 to 25 students, ninth grade. We start in the ninth grade. We choose about 25 students through application process. The mentors throughout the year check on them. I mean, they do various things. The Texas Executive Women provides so much for our students from self-esteem to life coaching to professional peers, mm-hmm. etiquette seminars, things that our students would not be exposed to otherwise. And so for me, um, my background, I was always involved in school. I always participated. My parents always made sure that I was exposed to certain things. And so I know what it means to give back. I've been volunteering probably since I was in the first or second grade. And so that's important to me. It's not just about being a counselor, but it's about showing our students what it is to be a professional and to know what it means to volunteer and give back. As I'm sitting here listening to you talk, one of the things that if you're if you're familiar with A-Leaf, this does not come as a surprise. If you knew A-Leaf 25 years ago, this may come as a surprise because you we're not the A-Leaf of 25 years ago. Right. This notion of providing some of our young ladies exposure to a world they probably, one, would never get, two, probably didn't even know existed. Right. Without going into the, the minutia of the kids' backgrounds and how that impacts them, what's the girls' reactions to this? Do, I mean, how do they respond? In- well, at first, you know, some of them are very hesitant, especially in the ninth grade. That's a whole new gamut of coming to high school. And so their first experience of learning how to introduce themselves, learning how to shake hands with one another, how to speak in front of people. The etiquette seminar, to me, is the best thing that the program offers because our students are allowed to go to a country club. They dress in business attire. Um, They learn about the proper utensils to use, and then they learn why it's important, transferring over to the professional world. And so one thing, because we've been in existence at Hastings since 2012, we have students who've been through the program to come back. So when we go on our college tours, there's usually a student there who's been through the program. And so to see a a young lady from the ninth grade, and then she stays in it to the 12th grade, and at that last but I guess celebration mm-hmm. to hear their story yeah. from the young lady who may have never gotten in front of people, but commands an audience to hear their stories of how the Texas executive women in the organization who've become professional mentors have impacted their lives is great because it, it doesn't just transfer into our students, it transfers into their families. And not only their families, they begin to talk with their friends. And so their friends are like, well, how do I become involved? Um, well, it's too late <laughs> because we had an application <laughs> process, but they talk about it. And so it becomes a culture. And I guess you'd see the same type of yeah stories with your with the homeless kids you're working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, as far as coming back to getting getting involved, oh yeah, we are in our as far as an organization. We're in our fourth year, uh, second year running. Actually, having a place, a residence where we can place them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for two Christmases now, for two spring breaks now, for two Thanksgivings, we all have a huge family dinner, and they'll come home from whatever college they're in. We have a kid in college right now in Missouri comes home 
uh, to us. Like I say home, like here, you know. Right. And we'll have uh, Thanksgiving, spring break, uh, uh, and a lot of the a lot of the times, if the ministry house gets full, we'll have them in my home. We were doing this out of my house for years before we actually decided to do it officially as a ministry type thing. This was out of my home. And so uh, a lot of them um, will come to my house. We'll have air beds splattered (laughs) through my entire, you know, house. And then so then we'll do something. We'll uh, for Christmas, we'll pack up plates, go through the community, disperse plates out in the community that they can have this opportunity to give back. Yeah. Ms. West, you earlier, you said thanking me for allowing you to do it. It, That's inappropriate. It's it's me thanking. It's more (laughs) me thanking you guys for doing this. This is something that I've been extremely proud of. And this goes back before me. This this is nothing I've done. I've just tried to continue it. But this idea of of exposing our kids and expecting of our kids to meet a standard that anyone else would expect their kids to. I will never be a part of any group that lowers standards or says you can't do this or we're not going to expose you to this because of any factor, period. Yeah. So whether you're homeless or whether you're a young lady who has not been exposed to some of the quote-unquote finer things of life, if you will, the country club life, if you will, I I want our kids exposed to that. Mm -hmm. I want us to expect them. I I expect them to to be able to dress and behave and shake someone's hand and look a person in the eye and all the things that we know that are in some cases in our society are we're losing some of that. Thank you. I just want to be, be very clear about about who deserves the appreciation and who deserves the, the well. Thank you. The thank you. Miss Jones has been as quiet as long as she can. I'm sitting over watching these. Uh, so, the talk. Uh, I mean, these are just two very successful examples of some of the work that's being done in our schools with our kids. I know you could go on and on and on about all the things that that are happening, but as you sit here from from your perch and look at what's happening and the, all these outside organizations and individuals helping coming in to help our kids what makes you feel good about what's what's happening um, it just makes me feel good that there are layers of support uh, in a leaf whether it's a business partnership or whether it's a, a church uh, whether it's uh, just community members coming in being readers and supporting our students um, and as as miss West said um, mr. chambers I, I appreciate you being the superintendent of Ailey ISD. Um, you yeah, let no us idea. do our job. Yeah. Um, you uh, support us to bring in resources for our students. And for me personally, I want the very best for our students. If anyone knows D. Jones, I'll do anything to bring resources for our students, uh, resources for our staff. I think mentorship goes beyond just within the walls. It's, it's reaching out, whether it's nationally. We have very fine support from our alumni groups. We have professional football players that bring resources in. There's just a number of businesses and partnerships that I am so very proud of. In many cases, the, the school systems, not just ours, but schools in general, most families, most most people look at them as huge, big old bureaucratic institutions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them don't know where to start. Even if you're a parent with a kid in the school, you I don't know if intimidation is the right word. I hope that's not how people feel, but I, I'm not under any illusion that they, they're not intimidated in some cases with this language barrier or they don't feel welcome or whatever the case may be. How do we continue breaking down that idea that schools are not approachable or or we have to go out and invite because Dee spends every waking hour of her working life reaching out and trying to bring people in? Is there thoughts of, about barriers that we still have to overcome or ways we can continue to to convince people that 
We want them in our schools. I think one of the barriers that I face in getting volunteers is that you can't volunteer at a school and, and if you don't have a kid that, 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 that school. Uh, I know as a pastor of a church, I always ask my members, you know, we need help at, at so-and-so school. We, they're, they're doing a backpack drive or, you know, there's a program in, in A-Leaf uh, that does backpack buddies. Sometimes mm-hmm. they need help packing those backpacks. Oh, pastor, I don't have any kids that go to that school. That's not the question. We, so, so they think they can't do it because they don't have any children. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and so one of the barriers I've had to just speaking personally was that helping them understand that volunteerism is not about where it's going to benefit you. We're talking about you benefiting the community. And so you're part of this community. Even if you only drive in on Sunday and you're part of a Leaf on Sunday, you're still here. And your pastor is asking you, come help us with this school. Uh, please get a badge. Please register uh, with online and get that badge. And then let's go to the school and volunteer. You don't have to have a child that's there. And so those are the barriers I've had to face and go through that. It's a constant barrier. As much hacking I've done at that wall, Mm -hmm. I've faced that question constantly. Uh, We have monthly meetings in our coalition, and we have members from all over the city that come to that coalition from all over Houston. And one of the questions is, can I volunteer in A-Leaf if my kids are in HISD or in Conroe or wherever? And of course, the the question, the answer is yes. Go go online and register. Mm-hmm. You know, get get the badge, and you can volunteer at any of the schools. Sometimes, what I feel the barrier is is that parents feel like they don't have anything to contribute, or community members feel like they don't have anything to contribute. Well, what would I do? Yeah. They don't realize how many talents that they have. If it's nothing from someone being a barber, right, and, and coming in to telling our students, this is how I went through school, this is what I've done, this is how I owned my own shop, this is about entrepreneurship. I think people just don't realize the possibilities are endless. And so from the parental perspective, sometimes I think they don't want to mess up. And so I think outlets such as this, the various media, social media blasts and different things reaching people where they are right now is one of the things that's going to continue to help break down the barriers. And then our students are our best advertisement. I think that as we continue to have programs, they'll continue to talk. One of the barriers that I see in high school is parents feel like their children are in high school now and we don't need any help. And that's so Mm. untrue. The help that's given in elementary we need it even more. Yep. I mean, because our children are going back, their brains go back to that of a child and an early child. Mm-hmm. And so they're dealing with so much. They just need people to talk to. And sometimes they don't want that to be their parent or it could be someone else's parent. So I just encourage people to give a little time. You know, there are a lot of fraternities and sororities in our surrounding area that contribute. People don't have children. I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't have children, but I make sure that I go in and, you know, give my time. And I think as people continue to see others doing it, it will trickle down. If you're a counselor, you have children. (laughs) That's true. true. You're raising a bunch. I don't have my phone. I know. know. You're raising a bunch. To talk about from you out there, from one industry to the next industry where you're working with partners, what do you see as the, the barrier, if you will? Sometimes I run across uh, businesses that will say, well, we don't really have time. 
Uh, and I said, well, you can always donate funding. We always need support. Um, you can always donate supplies, items. Um, you can be a career day speaker. You don't have to have a huge amount of time or be committed uh, for a whole week or a whole month. But you can always come in to be a, read, a real men read reader. Uh, you can use 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Use your lunch break. You can come in to visit a class and talk about your career uh, to expand their minds on what the possibilities are out there. Uh, so there's a number of ways you can volunteer, lend support, and not use a lot of your time. If y'all heard that, she's got an answer for you. <laughs> she does. When you when you come up with a reason why you can't, Miss Jones, can. Jones will tell <laughs> yes. you how you can. Yes. Oh yes, there's a way. A couple of comments to what y'all said. I don't think most people who are engaged in schools, whether you're an employee or whether you're supporting the schools, realizes. But uh, not only in A Leaf, but across the state of Texas, seventy percent of every adult does not have a child in the school system. So that means seven out of ten adults walking the streets do not do not have a close personal tie to schools. Now they may be empty nesters, or they may not have had children, or whatever the issue is. That's something we always have to keep in mind. I mean, I know when I do communications out, I am assuming that eight out of ten are not going to understand what I'm saying unless I spell it out very detailed. I think the same applies here. The second thing is is that the thing that Dee talked about was people finding a, a reason not to be able to do it, whether it's time or I don't have a child in it. Part of that is because in many cases, and for time, a long time, schools have not really welcomed different folks out. And we can talk about the whole religious religious part of it. And one of the things I said when I first got here we when we met with the pastors is, yes, there is a line. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a line, and it's not gray. It's a pretty black and white line in terms of this whole church and state deal. But I was willing to have a conversation as long as the faith-based groups are willing to have this conversation, an adult conversation about when we get close to that line, I want to tell you we're close to that line and vice versa. Would y'all agree that in many cases schools are our own worst enemy, or we can be in some cases? And I'm not, I'm talking about Ailey, I'm talking about me. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that a, is that a, continues to be an issue? I'm just curious what y'all's thoughts are on that. Well, in Leaf, I think the beauty is because we have so many different ethnicities and we're just so diverse and there's so many different places of worship that I think it's it's more accepting. Now in other places I could see it probably being a problem but giving back has nothing to do about your faith. I mean you know Mm -hmm. you cannot believe in something but still give back and so for people to understand that once they get over that hurdle I think it's fine but in Leaf. I don't see that necessarily as a problem because they give so much to our schools. And when there is a crisis, just like when we had Hurricane Harvey, where did people go other than to our school district with Miss Jones? (laughs) I would say, you know, being being such a long tenant here in A-Leaf and being a student of the system and a product of A-Leaf, I think it changes with the administration. I can tell you honestly, HD, that before you came here, when we found out that the previous superintendent was leaving and there was going to be a change, a group of pastors got together and we said, Lord, please send us someone to this district Mm -hmm. that's going to open the gates. And then you came. And the first thing you did was call us. And so we saw that as, okay, there's something about to happen. When I was going to school, they didn't, now I don't know how true this statement is. My mentor was the principal. I wasn't the baddest kid on the earth, on the planet, but I wasn't the best either. And uh, Principal Homequest saves my life. I, I, I give credit to, I'll, I've told everyone, everyone that knows me and that have talked to me long enough, uh, Mr. Homequest took me off of a horrible path. Him and my dad were really good friends. Mm-hmm. And boy, I know your dad. You know, that, that kind of thing. Yep. 
And uh, I think I am, in part, I am here in A-Leaf today a lot about because of how Mr. Homequest mentored me. Now, I don't know where the mentors were, but I didn't see them. I was never offered one. I was never, you know, now... As far as I see, mentors are everywhere. They're, they're allowed in the schools. They're coming in the schools. Churches are asking, how do I get involved? Companies. Um, we have, who's the pizza guy, D, that you know really well? Michael Bellington. Yeah. He, he's trying, like, uh, the last time I met him, he was trying to figure out how to get involved. There's uh, another A-Leaf young man started a donut place, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get involved. And so I think it changes with the administration. So I think as we get more superintendents like yourself that have a vision to get community involved and not just A-Leaf, anyone who wants to come and get involved, I think that will end this kind of dynamic of uh, we are our own worst enemy. Yeah. We have a school district in our city, not without naming, that they fight when they meet. I mean, that's been on the news. I mean, they're they're suing each other. They're trying to shut it down. The government's going to take it out. You know, so yeah. they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. And I think when that administration changes, it'll it, potentially, if they get someone with, with a vision, that will improve greatly. As for me, when I came in uh, 2002, uh, moved to Houston from Iowa, uh, I, it was just a whole different uh, atmosphere. Um, I've been on a, a lot of superintendents. I've lived in different states in the Midwest. And when Mr. Chambers was hired, as Pastor said, it was just like it was a crack in the door for our faith-based and to increase mentorship all around, not just businesses. And once the Chambers came on board and showed us his vision, the door was open, wide open. And um, if you know anything about me, just give me a little crack and we'll make it happen. <laughs> I was just so, so, so very pleased to have the church just be involved in our schools and uh, they were willing to come in. All they needed was the green light. And uh, thank goodness we have the green light, and we want to increase more partnerships in churches and all around businesses, community. Always contact me. I am available. I guess every generation can say this or has said this, right? We're always at a crossroads. Yes. God bless the crossroads because we've been at crossroads for 200 years. But I also think if generations look at their situation— not just their school situation, but just societal and this whole idea of people working with each other and this area of crossroads that we talk about all the time. Do you see the role of volunteerism, however you want to define it, You know, whether you're coaching young ladies to be prepared for next level or whether you're taking in homeless children and giving them a little bit of faith in, in the world? You know, uh, Do you see the volunteerism increasing do you see the what's happening in political society and what's happening with that do you see that hurting and harming i mean i'm curious from y'all's perspective how do you see it i would say that i see it increasing so many people that i know that are in corporate america that's part of their job they about giving back and volunteering and then this particular generation because of social media one of the good things about social media they're telling people what they're doing. And so then it encourages someone else to do it. And I think that the millennials, though they may get a bad rap for a lot of different things, they're more accepting. Totally agree. Of others. Completely agree. And so with that acceptance, they are, they have a heart to want to help. Um, Whether it's from animal, animals and, you know, Mm -hmm. just different things. I see so much. I think that they are just challenging the older people. (laughs) (laughs) to step up. I mean, they really are. And so my goddaughter works at Google. And one of the things, she has a mentor. 
when she gets to a certain point, they talk about, well, where do you see yourself? You know, well, I think you should do this, the coaching. Or when people who work at Chevron are looking to go a different career path, they have a mentor, Mm -hmm. they have a coach. And so if we continue to instill this in our children now, when they get to corporate America, it's not going to be one of those things of, oh, they're just trying to tell me what to do. Oh, they're just the older person and, you know, they don't like my new ideas. They're used to it. They know how to reach out to someone else when they see that they need help with something or just a little advice. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think um, that I see volunteerism uh, only growing. But if we're not careful, we're going to grow all in the same vein. I think it needs to grow not only in number, but dynamically, not statically. Mm -hmm. The way that I mentor, the way that my ministry mentors, we focus solely on character development, making sure that I can treat you right as a human being, similar to what Ms. Smith said. However, business acumen is something we don't touch. Yeah. So we need volunteers to come in, mentors to come in that, that will teach business acumen, vision planning. A lot of the things that I see in some of the kids I mentor, if you were to ask them, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Playing Gears of War or, you know, you know that, they, they, that, that, that mindset's not instilled yet. But there, there could be mentors that would come in and, and grow the number of mentors, but also d- dynamically to where we have mentors covering all the, the areas that would touch a young person that would get them to where they need to be. And that's one of the things um, that Texas Executive Women, we call them TW, they teach the students how to write a resume starting in the ninth grade. And they teach them that you have 30 to 70 hours of volunteerism. How do you put this on paper? How do you make it look good? How do you promote yourself? How do you say, okay, these are the things that I'm involved in? Well, let me let me match you up with a professional. Mm-hmm. So you can shadow them. So you can see, okay, is this really what I want to do? I really don't like blood, so I don't want to be a nurse anymore. Those types of things. I just, you know, I think that it's it's very important. That's great. It's, you know, you mentioned the diversity of this district earlier. And today's society, for the most part, not 100%, but for the most part, districts are getting more diverse by the day, whether they want to or not, whether they recognize it or not, acknowledge it or not. One of the things I have found in being an A-Leaf along this lines of diversity is our kids don't get caught up in... They don't. That. I'm amazed. I mean, I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I don't know why. <laughs> but I, I sit back and I watch these kids of all ages, whether they're high school age kids or little ones, they don't get caught up in that. They don't think about it. They don't... It, it's because they've been raised in it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I bring in A-Leaf graduates who have graduated and have gone on to college or the workforce or wherever they went, and we sit and I talk to them, because I always want to talk to them, I said, well, now that you're out, did we do a good job? Like, it's a pretty simple, did we did we kind of prepare you? Yeah. you know? yeah. And to a kid, regardless of their race, to a kid, they'll tell you, we were so more, yes, we were prepared academically, but we were so much more prepared to deal with other people from different walks of life, different cultures, races, et cetera. I think if there is a magic potion in the A-leaf pot, it's that. Yeah. Right? Right. And it's interesting that you um, say that because I have to remind students of how A-leaf is not every other place looks like. It's not a typical place. And so we had a young lady in TEW. She was getting ready to go to school in Washington State, I believe. And I prepped her, you know, (laughs) and I was just saying, 
you've gone to school in a leaf mm -hmm. you've gone to school with someone who may have spoken Vietnamese or Swahili mm -hmm. or you know may have been a refugee you may get to somewhere where it's a little bit more segregated yep. I had a student I'm originally from Oklahoma and he graduated from Taylor High School and I told him okay look it's not going to be a leaf yeah so and he hated it yep I mean he transferred schools to another state school but that was his biggest. He said, "It's everybody separated." You know, we didn't. And I said, "Well, you you grew up in Ailey." Yeah. But if you're going to separate in Ailey, if you're going to have about 115 different little. <laughs> yeah. Little, yeah. I don't know how you're going to separate because there's nowhere to go. Right. Um, yeah. But we talk about diversity um, sometimes, just about race. But when you think about our English language learners right. and our special ed students, I have all of those students in our program down to be beginner, intermediate ESL students. And sometimes they don't necessarily know what we're talking about in the ninth grade and, you know, find somebody to translate. But giving them that exposure, yeah. by the time they graduate, I mean, they're just as confident and can command any room than anyone else. Yeah. I think the message on all this is to the people, this is truly an international area. It's truly international and for those who want to find their niche in terms of volunteering or helping, there's plenty of places, right, Dean? Oh, yes. Yes. There's, I mean, whether you want to read to them or mentor them or whatever it is. And they can even uh, choose a school that they would like to mentor in or volunteer in closer to where they work or closer to their home. So we can make it happen. The door is open. We had an episode of this podcast a couple of months ago, or maybe not a couple, but a month ago, we had a young lady, she's in medical school at UT. She graduated from LSIC. We were really talking about her experience and going to medical school and all that. I mean, it was, the, the conversation was more along those lines. But it took a turn really quickly when she started talking about what happened when she got to UT. And then when she got to med school, there wasn't the diversity that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, she was one of these young ladies that benefited from mentors and benefited from the experience in A-Leaf. I think that part of it, there's so much of it, sometimes we take it for granted. We don't sit back and take a step back and not only enjoy it, I don't mean just enjoy it, but take a step back and say, okay, now how do we, how do we use that to even be stronger? And, you know, there's always this, this phrase, you know, D diversity is our strength or diversity makes us stronger. And there's truth to that unless you don't use it. Right. Then it can hurt you. Yeah. It can harm you. Yeah. And so... um Anyway, I was just rambling on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's important. I mean, uh, to us, diversity, you know, it, it shows itself, especially when the world's looking at us. Uh, you know, a gentleman named Harvey came in a few years back, and we saw everyone help everyone. Right. Yes. You know, it, it's been said Sunday's the most segregated day of the week. Yeah. Well, on that Sunday, yeah. it was not. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it didn't care what you looked like. It didn't care who you were married to. It didn't care what religion you were. If you needed help, you were going to get help. And, yeah. and it didn't care. And that, that was an image to me because we saw, I mean, my cousin and I and, and a few others, we went into the waters and were helping people get out and everything. And just the way we saw everyone helping everyone. Yeah. Nobody, was, nobody asked you who you were voting for, right? No one. Right. I think didn't matter. because of that, it sparked something in everyone yeah. to volunteer more. Mm -hmm. I've seen a surgeons in volunteerism since then. Yeah. Go back real quickly to your comment, 
Ms. West earlier about the, this generation, whether it's the millennial generation or some of our high school kids. If you go back to 9-11, that, that was kind of a reset button for our entire country. And we've had, our country has had four or five reset buttons in its history. You know, you go Civil War and World War One, World War Two, JFK assassination. There's been a lot of reset buttons that have forced us to do things that, that are reminded us of what we're here for. I noticed over the last 20 years, if you will, because most of our kids in school now weren't, a, weren't born which is hard to believe. I know. When <laughs> <laughs> that happened. But this idea of, of us being of one, even though we've gotten divisive politically, it hasn't divided us in terms of people trying to help each other. And yeah, Harvey is a perfect example. No one reached down to grab somebody and that person said, well, who are you voting for? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it gets down to that level, we're people helping people. And I think part of our jobs as adults is to remind this younger generation of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I think what's happening is they're reminding the adults yes. much more than we're reminding them. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think we can all be thankful. Yeah. Yes. So what else is uh, – I just, what, I just, I, what have I not talked about that you just – or you need to talk about? Well, I just <laughs> had uh, some, some numbers for uh, students that are being mentored or individual that, that uh, has gone through mentorship. Okay. Um, it is proven that 55 percent will go into college. Seventy-eight uh, percent will eventually volunteer themselves – or as adults, they will volunteer. 90% will become a mentor, and 130% will hold a leadership role after they become an adult. That's amazing. So I hope uh, that we can continue to increase our mentors coming in to support our students. It's, It's just amazing what mentorship can and will do. So we have mentors. We have big Fortune 500 companies, right? We have Shell. We have Sitco. Mm -hmm. We have Chevron, we, BP, we've, mm-hmm. British Petroleum. We've got you name it, and we've got it. We also have people that just want to show up to our schools to help read to a second grader or a third grader, right? And then we have all in between. I think our message is that to be a part of the solution, to, to contribute. My dad always told me, he said, "There's takers and there's contributors." I mean, the world's made up of those two two types. Yeah, I don't ever want to be a taker, right? And I don't want to be a superintendent of the school district. That raises takers, education right. takers. So our challenge, and I'm, and I'm, and I, it's not mine. This, these are, if you're listening to this and you live in the A Leaf community, these are your peers. These are people that you, that you live with, and you go to church with, and you pay taxes just like they do. With Miss West, she's an employee in this district who's going above and beyond just being a counselor at the ninth grade center. She's, so my my challenge is is to find your place that could be a contributor. It can be big, it can be small, but for God's sake, just contribute. Yeah. Well, I have one way that they can contribute. All right. So because Texas Executive Women funds the program that is here at Hastings, one of the ways that they raise money to do that, they have a Women on the Move luncheon. And that's where they um, honor 10 women in the Houston area. But this is a fundraiser. So, you know, if you're a corporation, it's held on October the 28th at Hilton's Americas downtown, and they can purchase t- tickets at the TexasExecutiveWomen.org website. It takes about $10,000 to run our program, and all we have to do is provide buses to get them there. And so if there's anyone who says that they can't give back but you like to write a check— I would say um, Texas Executive Women would be the person, the the organization to write a check to. You know, everyone in society says we're not teaching our kids the soft skills or this is an example of of a group that's attempting to do that. Yeah. Teach them the skills they may not get taught at home.
Yeah. We have one more group, too, a, a huge yeah. group, and I don't leave them out, is uh, the Karen Aggies program. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen Aggies program uh, start recruiting kids in second grade, and they support them all the way through their high school years. If they're in good standing, once they graduate, they will receive a scholarship to Texas A&M. And I think that is powerful. And we've had many kids go through the program, come back, and mentor our students as well. So we, as I, I could go on and on. We have a lot of great partnerships. But that's, that's one good. similar to Texas Executive Women that we benefit from. And we, too, if they stay in from ninth grade to 12th grade, they will get some type of scholarship. The common theme on a lot of this is if, if the kid participates and takes care of their business, right. there is actually financial aid and financial assistance right. for them. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So the Caring Aggies have been along, around for a while. So any of you other college supporters, because I'm going to get in trouble, because I guarantee you someone's going to All you talked about was A&M. I know. <laughs> Any other college out there would like to be involved? That's yeah. my point. Please That's contact point. me. Yes. Caring, you can be a caring anyone. Just, right. It doesn't have to be just A&M. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And Reed, uh, we have the Real Man Reed program, Yeah. Yes. Uh, which I do as well. I got involved in that. It was at the same time, of course, Dee, she's the kind of activator for all of us, right? Uh, she called one day and said she was looking for, for men to go read at schools, and it just so happened at the same time she was asking me to do that, I had just read a study about the number of vocabulary words kids know greatly increases their success, I mean exponentially. And I forget the name of the study, but I was reading that, and, and within a week I got that call, and I said, oh, yes, I definitely want to come and read to those, uh, was it second graders, second I think? Second graders, uh-huh. And so we read those books, and then at the end of the book there's a, a quiz that they hand you these questions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, someone like me who's uh, been working with kids most of my whole life, you know, you, may, you make it fun, you make it mm-hmm. uh, inquisitive for them, but then the next time you come back, they remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like it. No. There's nothing like it. These kids remember. They Some of them even remember the words they learned from the last time. It's amazing. There's one thing that we need more of. We just need adult men mm-hmm. reading to second grade, second, third. They just show up and read for 20 minutes. We've had episodes of this podcast before that's focused on the literacy and the, the lack of words that many of our children who come from, from low-income low income situations mm-hmm. Part of the reason they they struggle in school is because they show up to school not ready to go to school by no fault of their own. And a simple thing that we can do is just read to them. Yep. Yes. And it is a lot of fun. It if, is. If you've never read to a first or second <laughs> grader, it is. It is a it is it is addictive. So, well, listen, we we could talk a long time about yes. what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it goes without saying I express my genuine gratitude. Our our school board expresses it, our staff, but more importantly, our kids. They appreciate it. They may not tell you, but they appreciate it. Uh, they'll come back and tell you for sure, as you know. As the leader of this district and someone who's, who takes his role very, I'm serious about my work. <laughs> you know, I like to have fun, but I'm, I take my work serious. We couldn't do it without you, as I started out with. We can't. We can't. And so I'm uh, I'm extremely grateful for the examples that you have set and for all the other people that do things in this district that we couldn't fit in for this this episode. And I just encourage to continue and to bring a friend. And and for those of you listening, if you don't get anything else out of this, no matter where you live, contribute to your school system. If you live in A-Leaf, contribute to A-Leaf. If you live somewhere else, contribute to that school system. They need it. Every school system needs it. So thank you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Very Chambers. much appreciated. All right. I'm H.D. Chambers. This has been Impact Ed. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Have a great day. 
Take care. This has been an AMP production.